Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. episode of the Championship Roundtable. I'm your host this week, Louis Shackshaft. You can reach the uh, podcast by emailing at championshiproundtable at gmail.com. Uh, we're just going to go around the tables. Uh, if we can start with uh, you, Matt, and just like to introduce yourself. Yes, absolutely. Hey, uh, I'm Matt Cutler. Um, I am a sports journalist who specialises in the business of sport. Um, Aston Villa fan, living in London, um yeah and that's it that's it from me really if you want to uh, my podcast uh yeah sorry i should mention I, I run a sport business podcast called sb weekly um and you can find me on twitter at matty cutler cheers for that Matt. if we can come to you andy as well if you'd just like to introduce yourself yes hi uh, i'm andy buckley taylor from lincoln season ticket holder at derby county uh, you can find me on twitter at book taylor 64 where there's also a link to my blog Thank you both for that, guys. Um, my name is Louis Shackshaft. As I said, I represent Sheffield Wednesday on here and I represent Sheffield Wednesday also for Shoot Football. I write for them and I am your man also for Sheffield Wednesday Statistics. Um, we're just going to have a few minutes to discuss what's been happening at each club uh, this week. If we want to start with you, Andy, if that's OK, if you'd just like to uh, give us a brief on Derby. Well, yes, uh, return of the Mac. Um as our special uh, edition uh, the other day when uh, Jake interviewed me, uh, not convinced by the appointment. I'm one of these never-go-back people. And how has it gone? Well, we uh, scraped a 1-0 victory against Leeds, who were probably feeling, you know, uh, <laughs> that they should have had something out of the game. Uh, then a scrappy 0-0 home draw with Brentford. Uh, yet again, pretty much the same sort of stuff that we was getting under Nigel Pearson. And then yesterday, uh, go to Huddersfield. Um, they're, you know, they're up there in the top six. They've had a good start to the season despite losing a couple. And it seemed like we, we'd gone there for the draw. And uh, we was hanging on, you know, to a draw until the 93rd minute uh, when they nicked one. Um, they did edge the game, although a draw would have been a, uh, a fairer result. But I think it just goes to show how far we've fallen um, since last April. You know, when we're now, you know, playing for draws, it, you know, it just goes to show how, how, a, how a team can fall from grace so quickly. It's very frustrating. I know it's early days of McLaren, but. You know, Pearson didn't get many games. Three games into McLaren's return. Uh, I see very, very little improvement. And I think it's going to be a good long old season. Um, Andy, can I just jump in there? I, was, I watched um, the highlight show on Saturday night and McLaren said that it's, it's, going to, it's going to take time for the team to adapt to a new way of playing. What, what, did, he, what, what did he mean by that? Well, I don't know. I mean... <laughs> I find it quite a remarkable comment, to be quite honest, because under McLaren and Clement and Wattle, uh, they played 4-3-3. You know, we've had a dozen or so games under Pearson where the 4-4-2 was tried and didn't work because we didn't have the players to play it. Now, most of the players from the last time Steve McLaren was here um, are still, still with the club. Um, you know, it shouldn't be rocket science going back to a 4-3-3 again. I know we've lost Chris Martin, which, you know, uh, it's quite a big loss in the 4-3-3 system. But uh, I think what McLaren ought to have said, basically, is <laughs> the team's not strong enough to do the job. 
it's not strong enough to play in either of them systems and it's going to be a right old slog till January till we can bring somebody in. And it's not going to be Chris Martin coming back because he's on a season loan to Fulham. They paid two and a half to three million pounds for this loan. And it's uh, for him to come back to Derby in January. Fulham would have to say we don't want him. Chris Martin would also have to say I want to go back. And the, the past two or three games, he's now sort of like getting into his stride at Fulham. So, you know, I, I, I think uh, Steve McLaren, he, he, he's probably found that he's bitten off more than he can chew this time. Uh, you've beat me to it, actually, uh, Andy. Yeah, we're going to, uh, one of the questions later on, we're going to be about McLaren. What's, what's your general thoughts on McLaren going forward? Is, is the club like, is, is it, we, we're wishing for somebody else, basically, or, or do you think going forward he may do the job? I, I, I think you should look at some, something new. Um, he did a good, very good job last time until the speculation started in that March. He had us playing the best football I'd seen in 30 years. We're now, we're now currently playing the worst football I've seen since the early 1980s when we got relegated. I think we should have gone down the Steve Bruce or Neil Warnock route because I tell you what, I bet you Steve Bruce will get Aston Villa into the top six and um, Cardiff as well under Neil Warnock. They're going to be closer to the top than the bottom. It's very worrying, actually, because I think there's only Rotherham and Nottingham Forest <laughs> at the moment that are playing as bad as we are. But, uh, you know, time will tell. Yeah, um, it's quite interesting that you said that, actually, about, obviously, uh, Warnock, etc. Uh, because I think they'd have both been a good shout, as, as would Bruce have been. Uh, but, obviously, we'll come on to you now, Matt, if you'd just like to discuss Aston Villa this past week and your thoughts, mate. Yeah, well, we, we did get Bruce, which, uh, <laughs> uh, unfortunately, um, for Andy. But, yeah, um, yeah, it's been a, it's probably the first time I've come on this podcast being a little bit optimistic. I mean, so obviously, so Steve Bruce has been in charge for three games now. we drawn one, one, two, you know, our best run of form for, you know, a couple of, <laughs> genuinely, you know, a year or two, um, which is depressing to say that, really. But but anyway, I think so. I mean, Bruce is for you always get a bit of an uplift with a new manager, um, or, or well, you quite often do. Um, so so I don't know quite know how long the honeymoon period will last, but but it's you know it's uh, it's looking good. It's looking good so far. We got to be, although we must I must say in our first game against Wolves, Bruce's first game, we got we we didn't play very well at all, and uh, we we got we were pretty fortunate to to. Uh, not concede a penalty and not have a man sent off and take the draw. But we're, um, we seem to be sure it, it's, it's the, the, the team kind of from goalkeeper to, to striker, they seem to be just playing a lot better. And I think it's the, uh, the cumulative effect of maybe it's confidence. Maybe it's, um, I don't know, maybe it's just having that, that new um, person around the training ground that they've got maybe more respect for is maybe he's putting his foot down. Um, that they didn't have under Di Matteo, um, so it's it's, it's all looking pr- all looking pretty positive, really. But we've got well, we've got Birmingham City next weekend, and so derby matches can always be a little bit <laughs> a little bit tasty. Um, but we go into that, you know, with with a, with a good with good confidence that we you know could take at least a point. What was the uh, general consensus among fans before any football were played about Bruce, Matt? Was it quite positive anyway? I know, obviously, like you've just mentioned, you've got a big game coming up next week against Birmingham. Him coming from Birmingham and being there previously, that has that got a negative effect? Or are you guys just up for Bruce seeing what he can do? And generally, he's a good championship manager. He's just going to crack on and see if time will tell with him, basically. Yeah, the consensus the consensus has been pretty good, really. Which is, it's funny. I mean, he's so okay. Three or four managers ago, we had obviously Alec McLeish, who you know, a former Birmingham City manager as well. Um, and uh, you know, back then, kind of my memory's a bit hazy, but you know, he it wasn't the, you know, he, he wasn't a very popular appointment. I, I know. Um, I read an interview that uh, Keith Winas, our, um, our chief executive, gave, and that they were monitoring kind of social media sentiment around, you know, from Villa fans um, to see whether, you know, what they were saying about Bruce. Now, whether 
everyone would. I think if everyone was slating him, then then maybe they would not have thought about hiring him. But uh, but it's it, the fans. You know, even before we we got some points together, they you know we seem to be getting on board. I don't know whether that's almost desperation, really. You know, we've had we've had a line of such bad performances by our managers and, and by the team, really. That you know, having a manager come in like Steve Bruce, who's done it before in the Championship, you know, with with Hull and well, even Birmingham City, with you know any number of any number of clubs, I, th- I think we were we were pretty happy with it. Um, I mean, he hasn't. To be honest, he hasn't seemed to change much about the, the formation. Although it's interesting here what what Andy was saying, he hasn't he hasn't mixed it up too much. It's still the same players playing in the same positions to a to you know, a certain extent. Um, but yeah, well, signs are good. Signs are good. And I don't know. It's a funny old league, isn't it? The championship. We, you know, we we're like six points off the playoffs now. Admittedly, five points off relegation, but you know, if you string together a few wins, you can go from you know staring down the barrel to actually being pretty optimistic about reaching the playoffs in, in a matter of you know a matter of a month or so. Yeah, thanks for that, Matt. I think, um, like you say, with with Steve Bruce in charge, he's, he's a very good championship manager, and he'll definitely push you to the playoffs or min- playoffs minimum, basically. I, I believe so. Anyway, um, but it's strange because you guys have got a lot to talk about off the field this week. I haven't off the field. It's all been on the field, really. So it's it's been quite a decent week for Wednesday. I uh, we obviously we've had three games in seven days, uh, starting with Huddersfield last week. Um, we got the victory. We, we we edged the game. To be honest, I thought we deserved to get the three points. The the biggest thing for me was what went viral all on Twitter, etc. Is is Ross Wallace when he took the uh, tactical note off uh, Kajunja when uh, Wagner uh, gave him obviously the note, and that that was quite amusing. Um, like I said, that went viral on Twitter. So that was probably the biggest thing what came from that game, other than the three points. Um, we played Cardiff midweek. Um, we managed to get a draw 1-1 away. Padil scored um, after we went 1-0 down from a Whittingham free kick. We Again, we played well. Um, we were away from home. I know Cardiff are near the bottom, but I'd always potentially take a point away from home anyway. Um, the only disappointing thing was we had all the possession. I think we had 72% possession, which is, which is a massive amount. We just... We couldn't finish the game off, uh, but I can't complain because then we had QPR yesterday and again, we edged the game. We just did enough. We deserved to win. We showed signs of quality in parts to a few moments where we could have slipped up towards the end and gave them a goal. But ultimately, ultimately, sorry, um, in seven days, we've got seven points out of nine. So I, I can't complain at this moment. And We've slowly climbing that table and we've managed to get into fifth position. So uh, hopefully good things will come from that. Um, starting with the next topic, um, what we're going to discuss is what three changes would you like to make in the championship in its current form? Uh, so this will be quite interesting. So obviously I've got three key points. Um, if you want to start with you again, Andy, and just discuss your three major things you'd like to discuss in the championships and changes you'd like to make. Uh, the changes I'd like to make. Uh, it, it was a very difficult one, this. Um, I, I got the questions uh, whilst I was out watching my son play this afternoon. Uh, a, a change I would like to see is the playoff system. Um, I think there, be, there should be more money spread about in the uh, game. I'd like to see the top three automatically promoted and then uh, the, ne- the next three into the playoffs. And what, 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 sorry, the next four into the playoffs. What I would do, the team that finishes fourth, option A, team that finishes fourth straight to the final, um, then uh, your teams that are sixth and seventh to play each other, and then the winners of that to play the team that finished uh, fifth. Uh, option B would be um, fourth to play fifth. These are one-off games, by the way. And then um, six to play seventh. Now, the winner of um, fourth and fifth goes to Wembley. Uh, the loser plays the winner of the other game, and then they you know, go on to Wembley. Um, I think there should be a definite advantage in the playoffs to the teams that finish higher. Uh, what other changes would I like to see? I don't know. I mean, the, the one change I would like to see... Um, 
the football league don't really control it and it's this transfer window business. I hate the transfer windows. Um, they, uh, you end up with clubs uh, buying last minute, uh, panic buys, transfer fees uh, become inflated. And I think that's a contributing factor to the mess that some clubs get themselves in. Um, uh, the final one, the financial fair play. Now, I agree to a certain extent of having control over clubs not getting themselves into serious debt. But what I would like to see, I would, I would like to see a bit of adjustment whereby you're not limited by your losses. But if you can, if the owner can prove that he can cover all the losses made, then I think that embargo should be waived. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yeah, they're very good points, Sam, to be honest. I was going to kind of mention the playoff one as well um, because I knew that one was going to come up. So I've stayed away from that in my key points. Uh, But they're all well-made points, um, very interesting I've got three completely different ones, so that'll, that'll be good going forward. But uh, if we come on to, obviously, you, Matt, as well, and we'd just like to discuss your points as well that you'd like to put across. Yeah, I, mean, I interpreted the, the question a little bit more, um, not necessarily a structural thing. Um, but the, the, the slight issue for me is that I've... So I'm, I'm, I'm 30, and like, this is the first real season I've, you know, I've known Villa outside the, the Premier League, so this is my first taste of Championship football. Um, so I'm kind of coming in with a you know a, a Premier League uh, background. Um, the, 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 what the I was at the um, so Villa's first away win in 400 or whatever days it was was away at Reading um, uh, last week in midweek. And I've noticed this on TV as well. I, I think that the football league should, if it could, if it can, try and do more stuff to 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 encourage sellout crowds. I, I mean. Uh, uh, Reading in particular. I mean, I'm, I'm, and I'm only raising this point because I was there. I think it was a tw- it was a twenty thousand, uh, twenty thousand people in the, in the stadium. Still, pr- plenty of empty seats and fi- you know five thousand Villa fans. But watching on to watching on the the highlights over the weekend on TV, just empty empty seats everywhere. I don't know. I don't know whether I don't really know why that is. There's, is it a ticket pricing thing? Is it a I don't know. I don't, I don't know the answer. But surely it's within everyone's interest to, to try and sell out stadiums as best they can is it is it more kind of char- uh, initiatives to get kids along is it free tickets is it who, who knows what um it just makes kind of complete business sense to have you know sell out crowds where where possible with this you know more people in the stadium more people spending money on merchandise on hot dogs on beer and all stuff like that um Sorry, I went on a bit of a rant then. Uh, my, no, no, second... uh, to be honest, I'm, I'm, I'm going to butt in with there because what, one of mine is based on prices as well. Um, so I'll just link that with one of my key points. that I've put down the away ticket prices, but you can link that with home ticket prices as well if you like to you know, save an argument. Because obviously what the Premier League did, they, they had the clause, didn't they, where you can't spend more than £30 at away tickets on away tickets now in the Premier League. And I think something like that should be brought into the Championship where there's a cut-off point, whether that's home tickets or away tickets. I don't think it really matters because, like you say, at the end of the day, you want to see more people coming through the turnstiles and, and watching the game. So whether it's an away ticket at £25 cut-off, that would be fantastic, or making a home ticket at £30. I mean, from a Sheffield Wednesday 
fans' perspective, we're one of the main culprits this season where away tickets are over the £30 mark, somewhere between the £13, £35, £36. So I do believe that what they did in Premier League was a good thing and it should be brought down into the Championships also just to not only be cheaper for the fans, but to also engage in more people coming through into the stadium. So, yeah, that, that's, a, that's a good point also. Have, have you got two more as well, Matt? Yeah, just on that, it could, it could be as well um, increasing away ticket allocations. I mean, I know a home team obviously wants to have an advantage by having more fans there. But And again, you know, I'm, I'm talking as a Villa fan and we've got quite a big fan base. It's, very, it's really difficult for us to get away tickets just because of the restrictions on it. Um, so I don't know whether that's whether that's another option. Um, yeah, my, the other thing I wanted to say was, and again, this 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 could be a specific thing to Villa, but I, I've noticed a lot of the games we've played this season, there seems to be this tactic where managers play really deep, really deep football, and try and play real possession football. I don't I don't particularly know why, because it, it happened in the last two games against Villa, and both Reading and Fulham lost the games. I know Yap Stam had it where his back four and the goalkeeper were just passing the ball. Um, constantly around them. I don't know whether it's to get the opposition team to push up. It could, like I say, it could be a specific thing to Villa and our perceived attacking threat. But just on this game that um, on Fulham on the weekend, Fulham were away from home, had 66%, 66% possession um, and zero shots on target. <laughs> so I don't quite know what the tactics were then. I mean, it doesn't... It, it means that it's not a very good spectator... Um, <laughs> Uh, proposition if the, if if the teams are playing that type of football, but again, I mean, I'd be interested to know your guys' take on that. It could be it could be just a, a Villa thing. Do you want to say a word on that, Andy? Because to be honest, it's it's I I kind of agree with Matt. Where I, I don't really know the answer to that one. It's it is a strange one. I know I, I don't know if it's like the Championship, even though any team can beat each other. Is I don't know if it's just because there's a divide between the top half and the bottom half, and the teams that are in the bottom half do play the deeper roles when they're away against teams in the top half. I don't know. Have you got a take on that, Andy, at all? Or? Uh, I don't know. I mean, what I did find is, going back to the first spell under Steve McLaren, um, after so long... Certain teams did adapt their tactics. Um, 4 3 3 is an attacking formation anyway. Um, we were ripping teams apart, and there were certain managers, and uh, a particular one who really did his homework was Ian Holloway, who sat his team very deep. He effectively played a six man defence to frustrate us and then tried to catch us out on, on the counter attack. I mean, I, I, I actually think that uh, if your opponents are coming and, and playing very deep, it's a, it, it, it must be a compliment to your own uh, attacking football, you know. But, you know, uh, we don't like to see it, but at the end of the day, it's a results business and uh, managers will do whatever it takes to get a result. Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head there, to be honest, saying it's a compliment to the attacking team because... It's like you say, if if you are a weaker side, they, they are generally just going to park the bus. So um, I think, yeah, like I say, you've hit the nail on the head there and it's it's just a compliment to, to teams that are slightly better and and teams that are weaker are going to go to away grounds and, and try and just pick up a point, aren't they? And and, and that's the way forward and, and that's a lot of teams who are in the bottom six, they, they tend to do that. But have you got a final point on the, that, Matt, then, what you'd like to discuss? Uh, just a, a last kind of... One of three. Um, it'd be good to... I mean, I, I do quite like the Channel 5 highlight show, obviously, that we get in the UK um, that rounds up the, the weekend's fixtures in an hour. But I'd like to have somewhere, somewhere free where you could watch a bit of an extended highlights of the game, uh, of the, or of your game of the weekend. Uh, I mean, maybe that exists somewhere and I don't know about it, but, um, yeah, that, I find that a little bit frustrating. Yeah, that is frustrating, to be honest. It- it's, um, I mean, generally, I watch, if I've not gone to the game, I, I just watch the highlights on, on YouTube when they've been put up by the, the you know, the Sheffield Wednesday um, Twitter handle, basically, and I get 10 minutes of highlights. But yeah, I, I know what you're saying, that is that is frustrating, especially coming down from a, the Premier League like Aston Villa have done, you, you, you're going to not see as much of the game, especially probably away from home. Um, but I'll just move on to my points quickly. So we've discussed... Uh, ticket prices, which was which was one of mine. I think there should be a, 
a barrier on that and, and like a cut-off point. One of mine I dis- uh, want to discuss was goal-line technology. I know, uh, obviously, they brought that into the Premier League. That obviously, I understand why it's in the Premier League, but I think it's got to a point where, in this modern day and age, that it should be not just in the Championship. It should go down, right down to probably League Two also. I know it costs a lot of money, but at the end of the day, there's a lot of money up for grabs, and it can be the difference between promotion and relegation at the end of the day a couple of goals and, and if you're missing out or or gaining on either of those then goal te- goal line technology can play a massive massive part uh the other frustrating one for me and this is from a selfish point of view because this probably will never happen but i'd like to see championship games during the international break because there's nothing more frustrating than I'm just bored of watching England. I don't know whether you guys have got the same take on that, but you know, there's there's nothing worse than when England are playing Slovenia and that's the only game that's playing at the weekend. And you you just wish that there were three, four, five, six championship games being played, even if it weren't your team. And I understand there's players in the championship that are called up on international duty. But what about the teams who've maybe only got one, or two players maximum going on international duty, and and we we've all got big enough, you know, squads to to replace those players on a on a weekend. So I understand the international break, but when England, like I say, were playing Slovenia and Malta the other week, I were I was that bored, and I, you know, it, it were like, come on, let's let's have just a, a few championship games being played. So that's that's a frustrating thing for me but um <laughs> we'll move on to the next topic uh, which is and i'm sure matt you've got a lot to say about this one obviously with villa coming down from the premier league but how big is the gap between the premier league and the championship and will it grow in the future so shall we start with you matt if you'd like to discuss that yeah i mean i i think i think the bottom of the premier league and the top of the championship i mean this may sound like an obvious thing to say is probably not that different um, I think they, they, they'd probably be pretty interchangeable if you had a, kind of like a six, you know, at the end of the season, a six uh, team league of the top, you know, the bottom three of the top three of the championship. Um, from my, uh, if I was going to predict the future, I I think this, the gap is either going to remain the same or, or get bigger as more money flows into the Premier League purely because, you know the, the the team that finishes bottom of the Premier League this year is going to get, uh, I think, about 100, 100 million quid from um, just their share of broadcast rights, um, and then three years of parachute payments. So that so they've got that that money to reinvest in their squad, which means that you're going to see the same same set of teams going up, going down, unless and this is this is almost the bigger lesson. Interesting what Andy was saying about. Um, Financial fair play. The only, I think, the only way that will change is if one of these championship clubs gets bought by, you know, a foreign owner, which you know, which is happening. You know, there's Chinese uh, owners of uh, Wolves, Birmingham City. Um, I think Forest are getting a new investor, are they? And they spend some serious amount of cash with it within what they can spend. That I think that's the only way that we're going to see the status quo, um, you know, sh- shaken up a little bit. Um, and you know, if you look at look at a team like Villa, where we've been, you know, we've been relegated, and Tony Gia's bought the club, and I think we spent about six, you know, sixty million quid um, in the transfer window, something, you know, something insane like that uh, in in the summer transfer window. So uh, just championship championship teams can't compete with that. Um, and yeah, so it's, so it's it's kind of sad in a way, really. But but I'd be amazed if we. The, we have situations where I say Bournemouth is quite a good example, or you know Blackpool a few years ago. I, I just think that those will happen less and less as we, as Premier League money goes up, goes up and up. Yeah, I've got to tend to agree. To be honest, I made exactly the same points as you. I believe that that the bottom six in the Premier League are not dissimilar to the top six in the Championship. Like you say, that if they were to interchange, it wouldn't be dissimilar. Um, and I also believe, obviously. With the amounts of money that's being spent by some clubs now, like pretty much all the all the Premier League clubs are spending millions, and some clubs are spending millions on players I've never even heard of before now, which is crazy. Um, but then obviously you've you've got a few Championship clubs who are able to spend a lot of money at the minute. But I think you're right when you say that the smaller clubs and 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 luckily like your West Broms and your Stokes and 
teams like that have, have got in the, to the Premier League at the right time before before this crazy spending's come along. And like you said, Blackpool were a very good example. You're not going to see a, a small team really now who've, who've got a small ground and infrastructure and, and little money ever ever going to be making it into the Premier League, which is which is disappointing to see. But um, have you got the same take on that, Andy? Um, I think overall it's going to be, you know, the teams with the money, which are the relegated clubs. Um, you do get the odd exception to the rule. Uh, Bournemouth, if, if they stay up this season, because, you know, um, if the bottom team's getting 100 million, they're obviously getting more than that. And it's, it's going to be a case of speculate to accumulate. Um, I, I, I actually think that over the next few years, uh, the whole setup, the structure is going to change anyway, because championship is now becoming more and more popular with our friends over at Sky Sports. Now, what I'm wondering myself is, will the championship become Premier League 2? I know, I know it's been uh, talked about and there's been mutterings about it for years, but I, I can actually see championship becoming Premier 2, um, probably reduce it to 20 clubs like the Premier League, and then you, the Football League will have leagues 1, 2. There will be a League 3, I would presume, but it will be... Um, you know, the bottom end of League Two plus your top non-league teams. Um, but saying, when you're talking about the money issue, well, uh, Derby County, the last couple of seasons, have spent £25, £30 million on players. And I think they're, you know, we're the perfect example that money doesn't always buy you the success, success that you crave. So, uh, I mean, I think overall the gap is there. I think it will widen, but you know, every now and then, um, you get a club with a with a good, tactically astute manager like, say, Eddie Howe, and then there is the possibility of of, of a team like that breaking through. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that myself. To be honest, it's interesting, like you said about Premier League Two and whatever, because one of the points I were going to make in, in in the changes, not that I'd like to see, but I can see the championship being reduced to a 20-team league as well um, and I think that may be something that does come up whether it's in a couple of years or even 10 years time I don't know but I, I can see that with like you say all the money what's being spent and TV rights nowadays so uh, that'll be interesting to obviously keep our eyes on in the future uh, but moving on to the next topic um, is player watch so we'd like to discuss who has played well and who has disappointed recently at your clubs uh, so, if you want to go first, Matt, uh, Aston Villa. Uh, yeah, so, and he, I think it's so Jonathan Codger, obviously we signed him um, right at the tail end of the uh, transfer window from, from Bristol City for, you know, from, from what looked, again, you know, talking about money for, I think it was about 15 million quid, um, which I think many people at the time thought was a crazy amount of money for a player who, who's still quite young and hadn't really performed in the championship sure but you know even if you're talking about 15 million quid for a good championship player that's just an insane amount of money um but he's he's really you know he scored i think he scored three and three now he's um he's, he's just a really decent player i don't think um well dimatteo or, or bruce really worked out what his um what his position is he's kind of play he's played almost as a you know, an attacking midfielder on the wing um you know, on the right-hand side of a kind of a, a the front three of a four-three-three, um, I think he's there's probably an argument to say he could play centrally, uh, but he's just he's just very good on the ball, very strong, great touch. It's just exactly the type of player we 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 needed to 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 play or to compete in the championship. So I've been really happy with him, um, and I think he could he could end up scoring, being you know nearest the top of the, the top goal-scoring charts by the end of the season. Um, Disappointment has been, without a doubt, Yedinak, who we signed from from, from Palace uh, again in the in the transfer window. It's just been um, it's just been dreadful, really. I've, I, I know quite a few Palace fans who really rate him, and they were they were a little bit annoyed that he went over to Villa, particularly on I think I don't know whether it was on a free or just for a, you know a couple couple of million quid. They, they 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 thought he was really good in the Championship for for Palace. Great distributor of the ball, calm on calm on the ball. Um, 
But he's just well, ever since he's, ever since he's started the Villa, he just looks he looked like his his legs have gone. Gives away the ball all the time. He plays the odd nice pass, but but that's about it. And he keeps on getting pulled off at half time. Um, I don't know whether so obviously he's still playing for Australia and in the international break just gone, you know, flying the other side of the world to play to play in a match. And actually, funnily enough, I know someone who was who was uh, at the I think Australia were playing Japan maybe um, in the last international break, and he. Uh, a friend of mine emailed me to say he was there watching it and sent me a photo. Um, and also, and underneath the photo, just said Yedinak is playing dreadfully. So he's he's, he's getting stick, he's getting stick in the northern hemisphere and the southern hemisphere. <laughs> uh, one, uh, to be honest, I was looking up Aston Villa before we came on the podcast, Matt. Um, it's it's a strange one because I can't work out Aston Villa this season. So I've I've come up with a few points that I'd like to make because. Statistically, Jordan Ayew and Jonathan Codger are basically they're up there with the best players in the league this season. Um, so before Bruce has obviously come in, and I know I know he got a victory at the weekend. Is has it just been simply the defence that's been letting you down? Because another thing that I found was that Aston Villa are top statistically, and they've won more aerial duels than any other team in the league. They've won fifty-eight percent of their aerial duels. But then they've also got the worst, the worst uh, booking ratio, and they've had forty yellow cards already this season. So I'm like, they're just a mixed bag of like emotions for me at Aston Villa, and I can't work out what kind of team they are. Yeah, it's been we've um, we haven't had a settled team, which I think would have would have been part of it. Um, so talking about the you know AU and Codger, um, we've we haven't quite worked out what our right front three or two or whatever the formation we want to play is. So, you know, if, if, if we play Rudy Gestead up front, who, you know, a proven championship scorer, um, with, you know, great in the air, strong. If, if we play with him, it's, it's almost a, a different way of playing. If we played two up front, which could be AU and Codger, for instance. Um, so so I, I think uh, Gestead's, uh, so Bruce, Bruce is trying to sort of mix it up a little bit, and he has in the last, you know, in his first three games. In, in terms of the defence, um, we've had we've been pretty unfortunate with injuries. So I mean, delayed did his did his knee in, so he's out for the season when he was going to be our first choice right back and played for the first few games. Alfic came in at the start, looked okay, and then played a couple of dodgy games and then got injured, so he's been out. Um, Chester. Chester looks looks good and looks solid, but then also our you know our left back situation is is unresolved. So it's really hard to know what our settled team is. Um, so that's a very long winded way of me saying I don't know the answer. Yeah, I think that's just like you say, it's going to take time. And, and now Bruce is there, then he's probably going to have to know in next month or so who his best eleven or, or twelve and thirteen players are and, and rotate a couple. But I think that'll like we say, that'll just come with time. Um, what about yourself then, Andy? Um, you, well, a player that's disappointed and a player that's played well recently over the past week or so? Well, I'll start with the positive. <laughs> over, over the past few fixtures, um, going back to uh, Nigel Pearson, he dropped Jason Shackle a few games ago. Um, Shackle had been a fan's favourite, but uh, this season... His, his per performance, his early season, haven't been up to scratch. And Pearson brought in Alex Pierce, And in the meantime, Shackle got injured in training. Now, Alex Pierce came in, um, not this pre-season, last pre-season. Uh, he didn't play, I don't think he played a league game for us last season. He played in the odd cup game. Uh, the Reading fans were saying, yeah, he's OK, but, you know, nothing special and whatever. And, and in fact, I think we sent him back out on loan to Reading last season. But anyway, he, he, he's come in um, at the expense of Shackle and, and he's held his place well. And to be quite honest, in the recent games, uh, Pierce has probably been a best player. Um, he looks very composed on the ball. His, distri his distribution is good. And uh, going from the interviews he's given to the local radio, seems a very nice guy as well. And he does have a bit of leadership about him, which we, you know, we have been lacking. And uh, a surprising choice, but uh, thoroughly deserved. And uh, definitely our, our best player over the past few games. 
looking at the other side, uh, the disappointing player. I wonder. I wonder if you uh, can guess who I'm going to say. Uh, this season's been Tom Ince. Um, when he initially came to Derby, he very effective. He was a bit hit and miss last season, but he was still a match winner on his day. This season just hasn't been at the races at all. Um, looks very ineffective. His free kicks, he's normally deadly with the free kick. His free kicks haven't been up to scratch. There just looks to be a certain disinterest with him. Um, and and uh, what I would also question is, are we playing him in his most effective position? You've got a left-footed player here, who I think is better off playing behind the striker, playing down the right wing. But uh, there you go. But, 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 but definitely we should be getting more, you know, from a £5 million player than what we have been doing. I, I thought you were going to mention Tom Ince actually there. I, I had made an, a note of him, uh, but obviously because you've discussed him, can I ask you also about Will Hughes and just see how he's doing this season? Because I know obviously in the past in, in transfer windows, he's, he's been linked with very big clubs in the Premier League and he's, he's been touted as you know one of one of the next best players or English players you know to, to go on and potentially play for England. So how, how is he doing this this year? Well, I'll start off by saying that Will Hughes is a better player than Jeff Fendrick, who was sold for ten and a half million. Um, earlier on in the season, um, he was a bit playing deeper than we like to see him. We like to see him push forward, you know, to support uh, our attackers. But uh, it was uh, we've got a scenario at the minute. Our defence is really missing George Fawn. Um, we finally got him back last season. Um, for a full season um, after the ACL, but uh, he, he broke his ankle towards right. Well, in fact, it was right at the end of the season. And what we have been doing is sort of like uh, making do, uh, pushing people like Will Hughes back. But, you know, that takes away some of our attacking threat. Um, to me, he always puts in that 100%. When you see him on the ball, he's composed. Um, he doesn't make uh, he doesn't make the errors that other players make. I just think we're not using him to, you know, uh, maximise his ability at the moment. But uh, hopefully, if Fawn is back before Christmas, so we can get the best out of Hughes. But make no mistake, he's the best player in that Derby County side, and uh, you put. Uh, players who are on the same level around him, he'll shine. And like I said before, you know, if Jeff Hendricks worth ten and a half million pounds, you know, <laughs> what's Will Hughes worth? Yeah, exactly. He's always been one to watch out for, hasn't he, Will Hughes? is the type of player where I think he'd always do well in probably any team. And I think if he did step up to the Premier League, then... He won't look out of his depth. I know he's he's still only young, but hopefully and potentially it, it will be. You know, when he gets to 24, for example, he'll be uh, he'll be playing for England and or, or, or thereabouts. Um, I'll quickly, obviously, discuss Sheffield Wednesday and, and the player watch. He played well and, and someone who's disappointed. So, a player watch because because we've had a good week. It was quite tough to pick someone. Uh, there was a couple of players what stood out really, but I'm going to actually go for David Jones. Uh, the reason I'm going to go for him is because he's he's had three games this week where he's, he's been very consistent. Um, he's been playing a holding midfield role, and it's it's not really his typical role. He's, he's more of a going is is more of a going forward type of box to box midfielder. But um, he's been played in playing the holding midfield role, and I think that's generally why why we've had a good week is because with last season a lot of our success, especially at home, was when we had two centre-backs with a holding midfielder. And until this last month, we've been playing uh, typically Bannon and Lee in midfield, who both like to go forward. Uh, so David Jones has been playing that role as such. And he's just been, you know, giving that extra help to our two central defenders. And, and in the three games we've played this week, uh, we have only conceded the one goal. And I think even though he looks ineffective because he doesn't have too much of the ball, but... The role he's playing, I think, like I say, that's that's helping us a lot not to concede goals. So, 
Um, I'm going to give that to David Jones this week. He's had a fantastic week and hope that continues. Uh, the player that's disappointed is actually, I'm going to go for a player that's not even played, um, which is surprising. But the reason I've picked Alman Abdi is because we paid around £4 million for him in the transfer window. He came from Watford and he was playing Premier League last season. So there was big expectation around the guy. Um, he was dropped from our full squad uh, yesterday against QPR and our manager even stated that he hasn't adapted to our style of play whatsoever and he needs to build his strength up and obviously in training before he can even think about coming back into the into the squad or the first team. So I'm, I'm going to go for Abdi as a disappointment just because I, th- I really thought this guy were going to come to our club, nail his... Um, you know, himself into the first team and, and be playing week in, week out and, and be a very effective assist and goal scorer for us. But we've just literally not seen any of that this season. We, he had a couple of games pre-season where he looked decent. But other than that, in the league this year, he's, he's you know, he's been far from effective. Um, so we'll, we'll move on to uh, the next topic, which is match previews and predictions. This is a very tasty one uh, because we've got a few affairs what me and Andy are going to obviously discuss, which is Derby v Sheffield Wednesday. But we'll start with the uh, big Birmingham derby. So Birmingham against Aston Villa this weekend. Uh, if you want to discuss that one, Matt, and your prediction for the game also. Um, well, obviously Villa, uh, you know, Blues lost away at Burton uh, on Friday night. Um, and Villa, you know, winning two games off the trot. So we are the form team. But as everyone knows, form goes up. The window in these these derby games, particularly the Birmingham derby. So, I I, I would I, I think I'd be I'd be I'd be annoyed if we didn't take a point. But actually, I would take a point uh, now if if you ask me that. Um, so it's it, so so hard to predict, particularly at St Andrews um, at a twelve, you know, and at a midday kickoff. Well, not that that makes any difference. Um, I just uh, Villa. Man for Man Villa will be the better team. Um, I think even a hardened Birmingham City fan would, would admit that. Um, but could could be anything could happen, as anyone who's watched a, a, a Birmingham derby over the past kind of decade or so will know. Um, but if I had to put put my neck on the line, I'll, I'll go for a uh, go for a one-one draw, two penalties. Yeah, it's uh, it's so hard to it's so hard to call these games, aren't they? Especially derby games. It's like you. You wouldn't know where to obviously put your money if you were betting, and it's uh, anything could happen on the day, like you say. Especially, especially these type of games when crowded behind both teams, and all it takes is a sending off of an own goal, and, and you know it, it could just go anyway. Uh, but another tasty affair, obviously, Andy. I, I've got well, Sheffield Wednesday. You've got your team away, Derby. Um, what are your thoughts and predictions for that game, mate? Well, if you've got a half decent defence, we're going to struggle. Um... I know we've got Matty Vidra in the middle. He gets himself into some, you know, some really good positions. But it's the service of getting the ball to him. Um, we just, as soon as we get into the final third of the field, we we just don't seem to have a clue at the moment. Um, I think you'll be favourites for this, um, but I, you know, I don't think it'll be a thrashing or or, or anything like that. Um, because we haven't, you know, despite not scoring a lot of goals, we haven't leaked a lot of goals in either. We, we you know, uh, if you if you go into the IPRO Stadium at the minute, you're half expecting to watch a nil-nil game. Um, I would like to think that we could, you know, get a, a win here. Um, if we do, if we if we do win, it will be from a set piece. It will be a free kick or a penalty because we, we, we're just clueless in front of goal. My, my gut feeling is that Sheffield Wednesday will win by a goal to nil. You know, um, but, uh, but there you go. You know, it's so frustrating at the minute. Yeah, it, it is a tough one to call. And, you know, like, like you say, I know we're in, you know, top six and are you 22nd in the league or 21st in the league. So, like you said, You'll be right in saying that Wednesday will be the favourites, but again, it's it's always difficult going to Derby. It's it's always a tough place to go, and 
And and I've done a bit of research before I came on here, and I found like you said that it's it's strange that Derby are twenty first in the league yet they've only conceded eleven goals in fourteen games, and it's like so obviously they're not scoring the goals either. So it's if if I were putting my neck on the line, I I would go one one as well, like um, Matt did with Birmingham Villa. I, I'd take a point at Derby, and and I know we should be favourites, but we seem to have to create five or six chances at the minute to actually score a goal and with you guys not conceding many I I would I would go with the draw um what what's you if, if you were a betting man Andy what what would you go with if I was going to put a, a guess the score bet um I, I would say one nil Wednesday uh, if it's a draw it'll be nil nil <laughs> Well, yeah, that's to be honest, you know what? I, beforehand, I were going to write down either 0 0 or 1 1. And, and to be honest, away from home, I would, I would take a point anyway. And I think for us this season, if, if we are going to get anywhere near automatic, and I know we're, we're pushing for those playoffs at the minute, but if we can take a point away from home and, and potentially then just get three points at home, then, then I'll quite happily take a draw at Derby on. Um, on Saturday, so that'll be very interesting. Uh, but I'm afraid, guys, it's time to wrap up uh, in this week's Championship Roundtable. Uh, if you'd lust, if you'd like to um, drop a quick line where we can catch you, and if you're uh, currently undergoing any projects that you're involved in, if you'd just like to start, Matt. Yeah, so you can catch me on Twitter at Matty Cutler. Uh, my podcast again is yeah, so if you're interested in the business of sport um check it out it's called sb weekly and that's at sb weekly podcast thanks for that matt and if you'd just like to drop a line andy also just where we can catch you yeah you can catch me on social media at twitter at book taylor 64 and there's a link on there to me blog which is it's quite a depressing read at the moment Thanks for that, guys. Um, I've been your host today, Louis Shackshaft. You can catch me also on Twitter at Louis Shackshaft. I represent, obviously, Sheffield Wednesday for Shoot Football. And by the end of the week, I should have an article coming out, which is five reasons why Sheffield Wednesday should be looking for automatic promotion this season. Uh, but yeah, that's it from us, guys. I'd like to thank Matt and Andy for joining us. And thanks to everyone for listening. When your skin feels nourished and glows, you radiate confidence. Osea makes giving your skin a glow up easy with their clean, clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This seaweed-powered duo features two of Osea's best sellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com, code GLOW.